0: Heavenly Father, Thou art a great God. To say, Father, that Thou art faithful would be an understatement. Because we are blessed, as the scriptures say, shaken down, pressed together, shaken down and running over. We are blessed beyond, Father, what our needs are. We are blessed beyond our wants. Most importantly, Father, that we are blessed that we have a Savior that died that we might live. Help us, Lord, to never forget that. Help us, Lord, to keep that always in the forefront of our mind for truly, Lord, that is where perspective begins. Lord, be with those that can't be with us. Be with Sister Hilda. Be with Aunt Laney. Be with those, Lord, who have traveled away. We pray that thy travel mercies might be afforded them, that thou mightest bring them home safely. Lord, be with our loved ones who are visiting us, we pray that they might also have a safe journey home to their families and their families of faith as well. Lord, be with Israel. Protect thy chosen people. Lord, be with the innocent Palestinians that find themselves in harm's way, who are victims of a conflict that were not of their making, but others. And now, Lord, speak to us out of thy word. Give us insight, give us direction. Lord, and we pray that when this day is ended and we find ourselves kneeling next to our beds, that we might realize again how blessed we are and that thy spirit was working in our midst throughout the day and thou wilt surely work in our lives throughout the night. For we ask it in Jesus' precious name. Amen. So dear ones, a couple weeks ago when Mike had his message on current events and what was taking place in the Middle East... I mentioned that the following week, that next Sunday I would preach on that, and I completely had my weeks mixed up, and certainly it was Brother Rod's turn to speak, to, to serve us last Saturday or last Sunday. But with the Lord's help, I'd like to read out of Matthew 24. Several verses out of Matthew 24, and I ask your forgiveness because I do have a cough drop tucked in my cheek here. I mentioned a little bit a couple weeks ago that the study of the end times is known as eschatology. And I spent some time, specifically in the last week, looking into various interpretations. And I came to a conclusion again Friday night that I'm not even going to try to pinpoint what everything means and what these prophecies say. But with the Lord's help, we will meditate on Matthew 24, and I will give you a bit of a history lesson, not of what will happen, but what has happened, because those are easy. I'm, I'm perfectly fine saying this was a prophecy, and this is when it was fulfilled, and hopefully those will be encouraging for you. So Matthew 24, begin with the first verse. And Jesus went out and departed from the temple, and his disciples came to him for to show him the buildings of the temple. And Jesus said unto them, See ye not all these things? Verily I say unto you, that there shall not be left here one stone upon another that shall not be cast down. And as he sat on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came unto him privately, saying, Tell us, when shall these things be? And what shall be the sign of thy coming in the end of the world? And Jesus answered and said unto them, Take heed, and earthquakes in diverse places and all these are the beginnings of sorrows then shall they deliver you up to be afflicted and shall kill you and you shall be hated of all nations for my name's sake and there shall and they and then shall many be offended and shall betray one another and shall hate one another And many false prophets shall rise and shall deceive many. And because iniquity shall abound, the love of many shall wax cold. But he that shall endure unto the end, the same shall be saved. And the gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in all the world for a witness unto all nations. And then shall the end come. When ye therefore shall see the abomination of the desolation spoken of by the prophet Daniel, stand in the holy place, whoso readeth let him understand. Then let them which be in Judea flee into the mountains. Let them which is on the housetop, let him which is on the housetop not come down to take anything out of his house. Neither let him which is in the field return back to take his clothes. And woe unto them that are with child, and to them that give suck in those days. But pray ye that your flight may not be in winter, neither on the Sabbath day. For, then sh- for there shall be great tribulation, such as was not since the beginning of the world, that this time no nor ever shall be. And except those days be shortened, there should no flesh be saved, but for the elect's sake, Those days shall be shortened. I want to pause there for a moment. Our God is so faithful that He will shorten the days for the elect's sake. I want you to think about that. We 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 get so fearful and we worry so much for no reason. Because God knows what we are able to bear and what we are able to endure. And I've I've loved this scripture my whole life, that the days will be shortened so that we can endure. That's how much God cares for us. Then if any man shall say unto you, lo, here is Christ, or there, believe it not. For there shall arise false Christs and false prophets, shall show great signs and wonders, insomuch that if it were possible, they shall deceive the very elect. Behold, I have told you before. Notice the way that verse is written. That if it were possible, they shall deceive the very elect. But the very elect shall not be deceived. Just hold on to those promises. Wherefore, if they say unto you, Behold, he is there in the desert, go not forth, and behold, he is in the secret chambers, believe it not, For as the lightning cometh out of the east and shineth even unto the west, so shall the coming of the Son of Man be. When people tell you that they know when it's going to happen, they don't. They don't. But when the Lord returns to begin that final age of the world, everyone will know and it will happen Instantly, as the, at the, as the speed of light travels from the east to the west. Now I'd like to jump to verse 36. But of that day and hour, no man knoweth not the angels of heaven, but my Father only. Yes, Jesus says, look at the signs. Yes, Jesus says, you know, look, you can discern the, 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 the weather. You can discern the seasons. What we're, what we're promised here is that we shall be able to discern the season. But not the exact date. Not even Jesus knows when the end of all things shall be. For as in the days, of, uh, as the days that were before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage until the day that Noah entered the ark, and knew not until the flood came. And took them all away. So shall also the coming of the Son of Man be, for there shall be two in the field, the one shall be taken and the other left. Two women shall be grinding at the mill, the one shall be taken and the other left. Watch therefore, for ye know not what hour your Lord doth come. Like to conclude there, dear ones. As I reflected on so many different prophecies, and you know, what, what was the desolation that, that uh, the abomination of desolation that Daniel saw? What is the great tribulation? How long is it? Is it seven years? How, you know, there's this three and a half years, there's X number of days, there are so many scriptures that are pro- very, very specific in their prophecies, and yet they are very, very vague in when or what these things might be. So as I meditated on that and I, and I tried to determine, well, what exactly is this? The Lord just said, stop. Don't try to determine things that for man is not yet determinable. I am faithful, and I will be faithful and every bit of my prophecy shall be fulfilled. So then the Lord said, just look at what I've already done. Look at what I said and what I've done. Now, we're getting into the Christmas season. Uh, my favorite time of year, and even my coworkers know that for David, the most wonderful time of the year is that time between Thanksgiving and Christmas. So I'm not going to talk about the prophecies of Christ. We will talk about that, I'm sure, over the next several weeks. But I will talk about the prophecies of Israel. So Israel, we know that, that God, had, God called Abraham, Brother Rod has taken us through some of the, the interactions of God with Abraham in the book of Genesis. We know that Abraham's offspring, Mike did a beautiful job a couple weeks ago of talking about Isaac and Ishmael and the reason we have the conflict that we have in the Middle East today. But Israel had its good times and its bad times. It had its times when it was faithful, and it had its times when it was glorious as a nation and very powerful, and we know that because of their sin, God dispersed them. And in Ezekiel 12 We can read Ezekiel 12, 14, I will scatter toward every wind all that are about him to help him in all his bands, and I will draw out the sword after them. And we know that there was this prophecy that Israel would be annihilated. And beginning in AD 70 through AD 35, the Roman Empire dispersed the people of Israel. And what was known as Israel was renamed Palestine. It happened, and there was no place that the Jews could call home until after World War II. So what happened shortly after, well, actually, it, even before that, after World War I, in about 1917, there was a general, uh, and his, a British general, and he, and I, I'm trying to find his name here because I put it down. Um, I think it might have been something like Allenby or something like that. He led British forces in a conquering of the Ottoman Empire. And so in 1917, so the Ottoman Empire had ruled that Holy Land, that region around what is now Israel and what always was Israel for 400 years, and it was a Muslim state, so to speak, empire. The British overthrew them. And for the first time since the Jews had been dispersed, actually the first time since really the the kingdom of of Solomon, that region was ruled by a Judeo-Christian nation. And it was Great Britain. But the Jews still didn't have a home. And then on May 15th, 1948, Saturday, May 15th, 1948, the British government gave the land to the Jews and the nation of Israel was reborn can you imagine dear ones the sunday sermons on the 16th of may because there's all kinds of prophecies so what was the prophecy ezekiel 11:17 therefore say thus saith the lord i will even gather you from the people and assemble you out of the countries where ye have been scattered and i will give you The land of Israel. I wonder how many souls started repenting on the 16th of May, 1948. Now, I probably should have asked my parents, what were you thinking on May 15th, 1948? There, were, there was more sermon material on that day. Because, and why was it so outstanding? Because for thousands of years, there was no nation of Israel. And people, and people saw what was happening. There was Until that date, there was no hope for the people of Israel because we had just seen millions of them exterminated in German camps. And out of the ashes, God's word was fulfilled. And he began to gather together his chosen people. But there was something that was still missing. They didn't have Jerusalem. Jerusalem wasn't part of it. Jerusalem was a Muslim city. So now let's fast forward from 1948 1967 and we have the six day war and Israel is facing is, 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 is engages in a battle and this battle they shouldn't have won there's no way that they should have won the six day war um, you had a battle with the Egyptians on the south the Lebanese and the Jordanians and the Syrians trying to do battle with Israel. And I don't remember a lot about the Six-Day War because I was really little. I can only imagine the sermons following. But I remember one thing hearing my dad retell the story because I was a a kid that loved the news. I, I still am a bit of a news junkie, although I'm really trying to cut myself cut the ties with news, because it's just so depressing. But if I, don't, if I m- remember the story right, a news broadcaster, which probably would have been NBC because that was the channel my dad watched, my dad didn't watch Walter Cronkite. It was interesting. When Tom and I used to compare notes, Uncle Max listened to Walter Cronkite and my dad listened to David Brinkley and Chet Huntley on NBC. So they had, but but if, I'm, if, I, if I understand it right, and Dad can correct me at lunch if I'm wrong, Even the news broadcaster said, there's no hope for this little nation of Israel. But one Israeli fighter pilot took out the entire Jordanian Air Force because their planes were sitting in a row on an airstrip in Jordan. And what was potentially the end of the Jewish people ended up being a resounding victory and the Israelis were able to retake Jerusalem. It's prophecy. It was fulfilled. We know it. We've got the historical records. You can go back and watch the news clips of it. And one of the most outstanding images that I have that I could find from that exact battle was a Jewish soldier standing in a desert field with a tank in the background, praying. Don't underestimate the God of the Jews. So they took Jerusalem. So now that holy city is back in their control. And we think everything is pretty much the way it's going to be until the Yom Kippur War in 1973. And so when you wonder, well, why does everybody really care about what's happening there? And, and we could say, well, why does everybody really care about Israel? Well, the United States, being a Judeo-Christian nation, a nation founded on godly principles, absolutely, we, Israel is our strongest ally, stronger than any other ally that we have in the world, not just in that region. Um, but they were attacked at the beginning of the Yom Kippur War. And they were attacked on two fronts. They were attacked by the Egyptians in the south, because the Egyptians actually at that point controlled the Gaza Strip and the entire Sinai Peninsula. And then they were attacked by the Syrians on the north. What's going to happen to this little country of Israel? And why does anybody really care? Well, the Egyptians shut down the Suez Canal. The Suez Canal is the only way to get oil out of the Middle East into Europe. And our energy crisis that occurred in 1973 was because the Suez Canal was closed. And immediately, you had a clash between the Soviet Union and the United States, the two largest at the time nuclear powers in the world. The Soviets poured resources like crazy into Egypt and Syria, and the United States started pouring resources into Israel. And what was interesting in this very short war, it, was, it wasn't that long, few, several weeks. I do have the dates if you want. You can check with me later. Israel spanked the Arab nation. Israel got within 62 miles of Cairo. I didn't remember that. I should have because I was 12. But the Israeli army not only went through the Sinai Peninsula, but they went across the Suez Canal and were marching toward Cairo. They completely encircled the third division of the Egyptian army. And they pushed the Syrians way back into Syria. How did they do that? How did this little tiny nation... Yeah, so they had, they had equipment from the U.S., but they had no U.S. soldiers. But it was a resounding victory. Now, so what happened to that? Well, the Israelis, after I'm sure some real strong arm-twisting, on the part of the U.S., gave back the Sinai Peninsula to Egypt. Didn't give back the Gaza Strip. Didn't give back the Golan Heights, because we didn't ask them to. That's the northern part, if I'm not mistaken. Northeastern part, bordering Syria. But they basically behaved. And the first Arab nation to recognize the nation of Israel as an independent country was Egypt. And that happened in 1978 at the Camp David Accords when Anwar Sadat and Menachem Begin signed a peace treaty. And I remember at the time, because now I'm older, now I'm 17 years old and loving the news, and I remember that vividly. I remember the images of Jimmy Carter sitting there with Menachem Begin on one side, the Israeli Prime Minister, and Anwar Sadat, the President of Egypt, on the other side with the Egyptian flag, the Israeli flag, and they're signing the Camp David Accords. And I thought, surely this is the beginning of peace in the Middle East. In October of 1981, Anwar Sadat was assassinated. The Arabs don't want peace. There are enough Arabs that don't want peace. So what's happened since then? Well, you have the Abraham Accords that President Trump's delegation was able to get signed, which really had it had the United Arab Emirates and Bahrain recognizing Israel's right to exist. Just before the terrorist attack, the Hamas attack on October 7th, you had the Saudi Arabians getting ready to recognize Israel as a nation. So why are these things happening? Because terrorists don't want Israel to be recognized as a nation. But why is Israel always winning? Because God said they would. And even when the odds are all against them, and it looks like they're going to be totally annihilated, we can know for a fact that they will not. So what are some things that haven't happened yet that would need to happen before Christ comes for that final battle? Well, there is this. there are prophecies that talk about seven years of peace and that nations, all nations make peace with Israel. That hasn't happened yet. There is the rebuilding of the temple on the Temple Mount, which we were talking about last night. I'm not sure that's a physical temple. It might be. Jesus told the disciples, told his followers that the temple would be destroyed and not one stone would be left upon another. That happened when Titus laid siege to the city of Jerusalem. But Jesus also said the temple shall be built in three days, and what he meant was he would only be in the grave three days. I, I don't know. Is this a physical temple? I don't know. And for me, I'm not an eschatologyist. I don't really care. Eschatologist, I'm not. I don't care. It doesn't matter to me because God is faithful and I know he will be faithful. So what should I do? What should you do with this information? And and you know there's there's clearly I believe we are truly in the beginnings of sor- the beginning of sorrows that Jesus talked about. Clearly there's wars and rumors of wars, there's earthquakes in diverse places, there's famines, there's pestilences, but there's other things that have taken place that tell me that we're really in some some last days for sure. Daniel 12, but thou Daniel, O Daniel, shut up the words, but seal the book even to the time of the end, many shall run to and fro and knowledge shall increase. It took from 1750 to 1900 for information to double. 1750 to 1900, 150 years for the information that mankind had to double. It now doubles every 73 days. Knowledge is increasing. Lawlessness. Second Timothy three: one through five. This know also that in the last days, perilous times shall come for men shall be lovers of their own selves Never in the t- in modern history or in history has there been so much evil where things that were, e- when evil was called good and things that are good are called evil. Clearly this is happening. There is one thing that I want to warn you about. Don't hold out. Don't use the United States as your area of confidence because there will come a day when even the united states will turn on israel and how do we know that zechariah 12:3 in that day will i make jerusalem a burdensome stone for all people all that burden themselves with it shall be cut in pieces though all the nations of the earth be gathered together against it. I've often thought, there's no way the United States would ever turn against Israel. Well, what does it really mean that those that would be siding with Jerusalem, it would be burdensome for them? Look what's happening even today. Look at the fact that even within our with all of the the mind indoctrination in our universities, young people are chanting from the river to the sea, not even understanding what that means. There are large groups of democratic protests calling Biden, you know, that Biden's taking part in genocide they're completely blinded by truth and we know that politicians listen to people will it come now i don't think so i th- you know there's another is- there's another historical fact that jerusalem that israel the nation of israel in ancient times was much larger than it is today much larger it encompassed all of Jordan, all of Lebanon, part of Syria. Will Israel regain that much? I don't know. Could be. Look what they did in the Six-Day War and in the Yom Kippur War. Could be. We do know for a fact, because this is easy for us to read in other scriptures, that Israel will be will be pushed almost to the sea. Israel will get to a point where. Perhaps another journalist will be pointing out prophecy and say there is no hope left for Israel. If we are alive, if you are alive on that day, look up, because your redemption is really, really close, even at the door, because Israel will never be extinguished again. That will be the end of everything as we know it, and the Lord will come and rescue Israel. His people, But now, just in closing, I'd like to have us look at 2 Peter 3, Begin with verse 18. Because this is what matters. I mean, it's not that the other stuff doesn't matter, but if we follow 2 Peter 3.18, we shouldn't be concerned at all. 2 Peter 3, beginning with verse 8. But beloved... Be not ignorant of this one thing, that one day with the Lord is a thousand years, a thousand years is is one day. The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some men count slackness, but is long-suffering to us who are not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. But the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night, in the which the heavens shall pass away with great noise, and the elements shall melt with fervent heat, and the earth and all the works that are therein shall be burned up. Wherefore, beloved brethren, seeing that ye look for such things, be diligent that ye may be found in him in peace, without spot, and blameless. And account that the long-suffering of our Lord Jesus is salvation, even as our beloved brother Paul, also according to the wisdom given unto him, hath written unto you, as also in all his epistles, speaking in them of these things, in which are some things hard to be understood, which things they are... They, they that are unlearned and unstable rest as they do also the scriptures unto their own destruction. Ye therefore, beloved, seeing that ye know these things before, beware, lest ye also being led away in the error of the wicked fall from your own steadfastness. And then verse 18 is the key verse. But grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. To him be both glory, now and forever. Amen. And I love how Peter didn't say, you've been redeemed and left it there. And I love how he didn't say, you've been perfected. He said, grow in grace and the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Dear ones, if we are intentional and focused on growing in the Lord, growing in our relationship with him, cultivating this close communion with the Holy Spirit, we do not need to worry about anything. And oftentimes we look and we try to nail down, you know, I'm, I'm 62 years old, and from the time I was probably 14, You know, I was listening to brothers. I was I was tuning into brothers, and they were trying to pinpoint the signs of the times, and this is what this means, and this is what that means. And I'm not judging them. They believed truly in what they were saying. But the day of the Lord Jesus for me might not be when I see him coming in the clouds. It might be when this heart stops. And I rest in the bosom of Abraham until that day when the Lord calls me out of the grave. Those that look at end times to know how much time do I have before I have to be ready are playing Russian roulette. Continually pulling the trigger, wondering, is there a bullet in that chamber? Don't do that. My friend outside of Christ, there is no day other than today that's guaranteed. And you're not even guaranteed lunch. Just be ready. Give your life to the Lord now. Work on growing in grace now and studying the scriptures so that you can see when things... Those that saw what, what the general did in 1948, it was a, just another box they checked because they knew, the, they knew the, pro- the prophecy. Those that saw Israel marching into Jerusalem, East Jerusalem, during the Yom Kippur War. Check the box. Fascinating thing that that I will mention: when Israel got ready to march into Jerusalem during the Six Day War, Six Day War, not the Yom Kippur War. Sorry. The the most direct path for them to go was the Eastern Gate, and someone stood up as they were planning their 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 operations into israel and said we can't use the eastern gate we have to go around to use another gate because the messiah will use the eastern gate there are those in those meetings that have a deeper understanding of what's happening than just the cultural and secular jews there are spiritual jews in israel today that really see what's happening and we just need courage so my friend outside of christ are you ready Because this could be the day. My brother and my sister, are you ready? Because this could be your day. Would it be amazing if we all in this room could escape death and meet him in the air? That would be amazing. But you know what? I'm going to meet him anyways. I'm either going to be called up out of an earthly grave or I'm going to be like one standing at the mill grinding or in the field. But I know I'm going home. And I know that Jerusalem will never ever be forsaken by God. May the Lord add his blessing to these words.